Amen. Well, this weekend we are continuing, as Pastor Jeff said, our series about the Holy Spirit called More. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, did you know He did that? He died on the cross to pay for my sin debt so that I could have a relationship with God. He was buried. He really died. He wasn't resuscitated. He wasn't uh, just kind of swooning in the grave. He wasn't uh, in a coma. He died for your sins and for mine. When he, when he, when he rose again, he, he stayed with His disciples for about 40 days. He taught them. He prepared them. But then He was going back to heaven. And He said, I'm going back to heaven, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you a helper. I'm going to leave you an advocate. I'm going to leave you a teacher. I'm going to leave you a comforter. I'm going to leave you myself. I'm going to come to you. I will not leave you alone. I will come alongside of you and I will help you to experience more than you would if I stayed here physically. I think for many of us today who've been Christians for a while, we kind of take that way too for granted. I was thinking about this week. Can you imagine living in the day before Christ lived in our hearts? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having to go to a location to meet God's presence? Can you imagine having to bring goats and bulls and lambs? Good night, it's enough to get all them kids in the minivan. Amen? Much less. we got to bring sacrifices. I mean, you talk about madness. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a struggle in your life and not knowing that God was right there in you and with you forever? And I think that as Christians, many times we take that way too for granted. The Spirit of the living God is living in you and with you forever. Because of that decision that Alex made a couple months ago, she can know without a doubt, no matter if she changes her location from 12804 to whatever her zip code is going to be in Michigan, God is going to be there with her. God is going to stay in her. He's already ahead of her. He's going to walk beside her. He's going to go before her. He's going to be behind her forever. That will never go away. And today we're going to talk about an aspect of our spiritual walk. Don't you listen to me? That is a part of my life every single day. Every morning when I wake up, what we're going to talk about today is on my thoughts. And I want as your pastor to equip you, to train you, to teach you, if you're not living like this, if you're not thinking like this, first thing I say is, good morning, Lord, amen? Good morning. Lord, I love you. I love you so much, God. Thank you for all you've done in my life. Thank you for giving me a good night's rest. Thank you for waking me up this morning. And God, I pray right now, here it is, God, I pray right now that you would fill me with your spirit. That is the first. Honestly, the others are a little bit pleasantries. I mean, not really. I want to say good morning. I want to say I love you, Lord. But honestly, the, this one's getting about the business. Lord, before I ever move very far, before this mind gets going, anybody else with me? Amen. Before this mind gets going, I ask that you would fill me with your spirit. And from there to the shower, as I'm brushing my teeth afterwards, as I'm going downstairs to eat breakfast, just 
As I start my day, the thought, the main thought that is going through my mind consistently is, God, fill me with your Spirit. And I believe that if we grabbed hold of that idea today, friend, I'm going to tell you, it would truly change your life. And you would become the kind of vessel that God can work through to change a world. Amen? And so today I want to talk about the filling of God's Spirit. God has said to us that He has more for us, that He has more growth that He wants to bring about in our lives. And we, we sort of talked a few weeks ago, we sort of started that, sort of a little mini three-part series within our series on the Holy Spirit. We're talking about God wants to bring about more growth in your life. And one of the biggest ways that you're going to grow is if you learn what we're talking about today. God, would you fill me with your spirit? Amen. Let's read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. The Bible, Paul, writing to the Ephesians, led by the Holy Spirit, says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. That's excessiveness. That's way out of bounds living. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. We're talking about being filled with the Spirit. I want to kind of focus on what that means, first of all. What does it mean to be filled by the Holy Spirit of God and then as we think about that, what kind of impact can that have on our lives? So first of all, let's start with this thought. God wants to do more in your life. He wants to grow you more in your life. And friend, God wants to fill you with His Spirit. Write that down, first of all. The Bible says that God's intention, God's will, is that His Spirit would fill your life. Did you see it there in verse 18? It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dis that's excessiveness. But what we're focusing on is, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, I don't know if you've ever studied this before, but there is a lot in that short phrase that God wants us to understand. And I want to start with that fill part first, and then unpack it a little bit more so we can understand it better and make it more meaningful. Being filled with God's Spirit is giving God control. That's really what we're talking about. We're pulling out the big guns already, amen? Let's just go ahead and get to it, amen? There, there's much more that is in this little phrase that I want to talk about, but I just want to begin to set up our understanding where we're going, what we're trying to get to, what God is trying to get to, is that God wants to be in control of your life. And like I said, in order to understand this whole thing, I want to focus on that filled part. God wants us to be filled. Would you think about that? God wants your body. God wants your mind. God wants your heart. God wants your head. God wants your brain. And, and many times I'll even pray that when I'm praying in the morning. God, I pray that you would fill me, listen, from the top of my head to the tip of my toes. That makes it real, doesn't it? What am I saying? God, I want you to fill every part of who I am. The word that's used here 
means to literally fill something up. It means to permeate something. To make something full. And it kind of begins moving in the direction of to take over something. Right? Can you picture that? So there's like this flood of God coming into my life. And He is more and more filling my life. He is more and more permeating my life. He is more and more taking over my life. Being in control of my life. And I think that last idea is really ultimately what God is really getting to and wants us to understand. Because when I say God wants to fill up your life, some of you might be perplexed by that. Well, I thought you said when I accept Christ, He's what? He's in my life, right? Pastor Robbie, I thought you said when I accepted Jesus as my Savior, that He is in my life, He's already there, and He is in every part. That is true. So let's make some distinctions. Yes, now now stay with me so you understand clearly. If you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, God is in your life. Amen? God is in every part of your life. So what we're talking about is not questioning that whatsoever. Listen, it's not that we need more of God in our lives. It's that God needs more of us. Does that make sense? We have all of God. He is fully, completely in us. But He is calling us to be filled with the Spirit. To give every place in our life over to Him. Think about it this way. There's a difference between God being a guest and the owner. You hear me? There's a difference between being a visitor or even, let's take it a step further, a roommate. Right? I don't see God as a visitor. Now, somebody may be here and say, I'm kind of at that point. But I think many of you would say, no, I don't see God as a visitor. That, that's, that doesn't sound right. But, but I think many of us maybe take it beyond that. But he is kind of like a roommate. Amen? He's not necessarily the boss of the place. So being filled by the Spirit means, listen, there is no part of my life where God is not welcome to do whatever His Spirit is wanting to do in that area. Does that make sense? There is no part of my life where God and His Spirit is not able to do whatever He is wanting to do in that area. God, fill me with your Spirit means I want you to look at my life. God, I want you to check me because I don't know everything about my life. Isn't that true? I I don't know what I don't know. God, there may be a part of my life that I'm not giving over to you. I want you to look at every area. I want you to do what you want to do in every one of those areas. Friend, that's ultimately what God is up to in your life. I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. I'm not going to pull any punches. It is God's intention to be fully in charge of your life. Now, when I say that, there might be some of us who would say, well, now, now wait just a minute, Pastor Robbie. You're assuming I want that. You're assuming that I want to give him control. You're assuming that, 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 I, that, that I don't have a choice. No, well, I suppose you do have a choice. But be careful about something. Be careful that you don't let the enemy convince you that this is kind of an optional thing. That I'm a Christian, and there's like a Christian life without seeking to be filled by the Holy Spirit. 
and there's a Christian life with that. No, and I think this example sort of helps with that. Uh, somebody said the idea of a glove, okay? When I, when I put this glove on, what did I do? I put it what? I put it fully on, didn't I? If you put that glove partially on, let's say I go outside to my garage and I pick up my screwdriver and I'm working out in negative 58 degrees in like January, right? Anybody ever go out to your garage and try to do a project in the winter? And so, you know, and usually they're not little sissy gloves like this. They're like five inches thick. But, but, but if, I try to, if I try to do that project, it, that, is, that doesn't even make sense, does it? Okay, so when we think of gloves, we don't think there's a couple of options on wearing gloves, right? We don't think, hey, you can like, you can put it on one finger if you want. Or you can put it like over your knuckles if you want. There's like different ways you wear them. Or you know what? There's some people that actually put the glove all the way on and use it like that, right? That is exactly what God is saying with the filling of the Spirit. It is not some special, hey, if you want to, you can just, you can just wear, wear the Lord in one part of your life. Or you could slide Him up to a little bit further. And that doesn't even make any sense, does it? The only right way to have that right relationship with God is to let Him fill that glove of my life completely, right? It is only when God... That hand is filling that glove completely that that glove is actually going to fulfill its purpose and not look or feel weird. Not only that, but this passage tells us not only do we not give God full control many times, but many times we let other things get in that glove, don't we? I want you to think about it. If I right now took this dirt and filled this glove with dirt, I mean, I could even... Try to halfway put it on, right? That doesn't even make any sense, does it? That is not the purpose of this glove, is not to have dirt in it. That doesn't even make any sense. Why would I put something that it was not created to hold, right? And we could say that dirt, I mean, some of you are kind of, Ew, you know, whatever. Some of you are kind of turned up your nose to that, but there's nothing wrong. There's no worms in it or anything like that. It's actually potting soil. You can have it if you like, use plant, if you like plants after it's over. But I thought about that. You're like, what's the WD-44? Well, I didn't want to actually bring acid up here, okay? But I want to pretend like this is acid, okay? Would anybody ever take your glove and like spray acid in it? Would anybody ever do that? No, because what's it going to do to that glove? It's going to destroy that glove. So that's, the, that's exactly the image that, that is in this passage. God says, I, God, want to fill you, the glove, completely with myself. And he actually says, at the beginning of that, we sort of rushed over it, don't fill yourself up with other things that aren't correct, and in fact, many times are actually very what? Very hurtful. This passage gives us an example of some of the kind of things that we put into our lives other than letting God control our lives. And by the way, of the kind of things, I want you to pay attention to this, of the kind of things that God could have said that we let control our lives, it could have been any number of things. Isn't it interesting that he points out alcohol? Why don't you think about this for just a minute? He says, and do not get drunk with wine for that is excessive. That's, that's beyond the bounds. That's crazy living. When God is wanting to compare how he designed us to live, with other things that completely go opposite of that, isn't it interesting that he picks alcohol? 
And I would challenge those of you. I, listen, hey, I know some of you guys hear me talk about this. Oh, Pastor Robbie, look, can I drink a beer? You know, what, aren't, you, aren't, you, aren't you going overboard? I'm just reading you God's word, okay? Of the kind of things that God could have pointed out. We want to make alcohol neutral. We want to make alcohol no big deal. It's a non-issue. But the Lord actually says that will make you wild and undisciplined and reckless in your life. Somebody says, oh, but Pastor Robbie, it's not saying no alcohol. It says don't get drunk. Well, have you ever considered that don't get drunk might be saying don't drink at all? If you said don't get high on drugs, doesn't that mean what? Don't take drugs at all, right? To say don't get high on drugs means anytime you have drugs, you get high. Have you ever thought don't get drunk on alcohol means anytime you touch or, or partake of alcohol, it is impacting biologically. We know that. It is impairing and influencing your life. But back to the main point. He says don't let anything. Anything but who? Anything but the Lord control your life. That's the point. Don't let any, is there anything in your life? It could be alcohol. It could be something else represented by, you know, doesn't make sense, but kind of neutral or something that's truly, honestly destructive. But don't let anything else have control of your life. It doesn't make much sense, does it? It'd be like wearing a glove on one finger or putting those nasty things in it. We also need to understand that being filled with God's Spirit is something we receive. You can see it hinted at in this verse by the English word be. And it's made clear in the Greek language that, that this was written in because it's put in what's called the passive voice. What does that mean? Well, we talked about it a little bit last time. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Have you ever seen an orange tree? Oh, I got to make oranges. Oh, come on, get out of there. Pop, there's an orange. No, if the root is right, the fruit is right, right? If the root is receiving the nutrients, then it's going to produce the right kind of fruit. So many times when we're thinking about God's work in our lives, when we're thinking about spiritual growth, we think this is something I'm going to have to do. But the way this passage is worded, and really all across God's Word, we get the very clear sense Friends, this ought to be freeing to you. We cannot do this ourselves. Isn't that exciting? I want God to work in my life, and it's not up to me for that to happen. Being filled with God's Spirit is something that God does, and listen, we receive. Now, listen to me. We're going to talk about this later in the series. We can reject His work, right? We can rebel against His work and run from it, right? We can ignore. There's things that we can do to hinder His Spirit's work. But I'm so glad that there's nothing that I have to do to generate the Spirit's work. There's nothing I do that's going to make God knock on the door. He's knocking on the door of your heart right now. He's knocking on the door of my heart. He's always speaking, amen? He's always loving. He's always leading. He's always working in your life. So yes, there are things we can do to block that. We're going to talk about those things. We need to know those things. But I'm so glad it is something we receive, not something that we have to bring about. Being filled with God's Spirit is for all of us. When the Bible says be filled with the Spirit, if you know English, 
There's a subject understood in that sentence, right? Be filled with the Spirit understands who is the subject. Boy, you guys haven't studied much English, have you? <laughs> Being filled with the Spirit is an understood you. And, and, and that you is actually plural. You be filled with the Spirit. I've told you guys before, I grew up in Georgia. And as a result of that, I have a little more vocabulary that maybe some of you guys didn't grow up with. You, you can be filled with the Spirit. Y'all, right here in the middle, y'all can be filled with the Spirit. And all y'all can be filled with the Spirit. Write this down. Being filled with the Spirit is an all y'all kind of thing. It's for everybody. God, listen, being filled with God's Spirit, being controlled by God is not an A-plus Christian faith. It's not, oh, that's what pastors and missionaries do. Being filled with the Spirit, now listen, you may have some wrong perceptions of what it means or how it happens. That's why we're talking about it. But would you receive right now that whatever being filled with the Spirit is, God wants me. God wants me to experience that. God wants you to experience that. God wants all y'all to experience that. Everybody in his family he wants to be filled with the Spirit. That leads us to the next thing. Being filled with the Spirit is a command. Again, as we talk about this, you might say, well, well, yeah, that's good and everything, but that's not exactly what I want. Well, I wasn't wanting to give God control of every area of my life. Well, ultimately, we can make that decision. But God just wants you to know that was not His, that was not his intention. It was not God's intention that some of us would seek to be filled by His Spirit and others of us might not. That's not God's intention. Certainly, he understands. He's aware of that reality. But God is saying to us, friends, listen. Don't see it so much as demands and requirements as an invitation to all of us. God wants all of us. He said, I'm talking, not me, surely not me. No, I'm talking to you too. And then finally, something we need to realize is that it's ongoing. Being, being filled with the Spirit is an ongoing process now what do I mean by that well we leak amen we leak what do I mean by that does God ever get out of us no no we, we said that Let, let's 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 clarify that a little bit further write this down when you're saved when you accept Christ as your savior you are baptized sealed and indwelt by the spirit of God uh, that is a one-time thing. If you are here today, and like Alex, if you make the wonderful, eternal, best decision of your life to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, even before you get in, did you know the thief on the cross, Jesus said, I'll see you in paradise? He didn't have time to get in a tub of water, right? He was baptized, though. He was baptized by the Spirit of God. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you are buried under the blood of Jesus Christ, covered by Him, sealed, marked by God in a way that no one can ever unmark, and then indwelt by His Spirit all the time for the rest of eternity. <clears throat> but the amount of control He has over your life changes often, doesn't it? Isn't that true? God saved me. God baptized me. God sealed me. God's living in me. But the amount of influence 
Isn't that what some alcohol, right? Alcohol, we, we're under the what? We say that, don't we? Driving under the influence. The, the amount of influence that God has over my life, there's ebbs and flows to that, right? It is God's will for me to always be completely led by His Spirit, but there are ebbs and flows to that. The Bible says to us we need to realize that. I'm not always as controlled by God as He wants me to be. Is that not true? Write this down. Here's another way of saying it. There's one baptism, but many fillings. There's one baptism. Ephesians, I believe chapter 4 says that. You're baptized by the Spirit of Christ once, but there are many fillings of His Spirit. You are saved, you accept Christ one time, but we are continually discerning, am I allowing God to lead and control my life? Now wait just a minute, wait just a minute. You listen this is why it doesn't make sense to me that a Christian would ever get comfortable. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Christians who just sort of coast, who just sort of, I'm good. I've accepted Christ. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. That doesn't make any sense biblically. Because the Bible says there are ebbs and flows to your surrender daily in terms of your closeness you will never lose your relationship with God, but that fellowship kind of ebbs and flows, doesn't it? Sometimes I'm closer to Him than others. Sometimes He's more in control of my life than others. So God, I want to continually be checking how we doing, Lord. Amen. Now let, wait, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying like many of you have been taught, how are we doing? Do you still love me? That's not what the Bible says. How are we doing? Am I still your child? That's not what the Bible says. How are we doing? Am I still going to heaven? How are we doing? Am I living perfectly? And we know that ain't going to last very long, right? I'm so grateful that I never have to wonder how God and I are doing in that way. Amen? I'm free. I'm free. I know. He's my dad. He's my heavenly father. I love him. He loves me. We're together. That, there's no reason to even discuss that. But there's a question about how close I am walking with Him. Amen? There's a question about how much He's... Hey, hey, I said, I prayed that He would be from the tip of my head, top of my head to the tip of my toes. Well, sometimes He's about maybe a quarter of the way. But there's a couple of toes that are kind of running off on their own. Amen, anybody? So God, just check me throughout the day, Lord. Lord, I want to just reevaluate. I want to kind of, kind of come to You and check... You know, I think this makes sense to a lot of us with, with all these devices we have today. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy? Our lives, listen, our lives are nearly run by how many percent we're at. Amen. I mean, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I'll go on a trip. We'll go on a trip, you know, on a mission trip or we'll go on. And everybody in the car is frantic. Does he have a charger? Does he have a charger? Does, 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 does he have a converter? Does he have, you know, a cigarette lighter converter? Where he might got a charger. I'm like, snap out of it. It's okay. All right, we're gonna make it. People live before you were down to three percent. Amen. <laughs> but if you understand that, and we all live in that world now, right? If you understand that, then it gives you a little bit of a picture of what we're talking about here. I want to continually be checking. What percent are we at, Lord? Amen. 
how much charge do I have? Amen? So, so why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Hey, keep your obnoxious check on your percentage. But just build into that checking with God at the same time. Hey, I need to find my charger because I'm getting low. Oh, here's a charger. No, I was talking about me and the Lord, but thanks for the charger. Amen? Whenever you're looking for your charger, whenever you need to get a higher percentage, just make that part of that. God, hey, it's almost like praying before your meal, right? It's a discipline we build in our lives that reminds us to pray continually and thank the Lord for the food, obviously. But that, that could be a discipline in your life. Every time I'm looking for my charger, do I have enough charge to make it? Ask yourself, spiritually, do I have enough charge to make it? Amen? Or do I need to let the Lord plug me in for a little bit? There's a sense in which daily, eventually even, friends, listen, this is our goal. Nobody's there. Nobody's there that I know of. But eventually our goal is not just daily, but moment by moment. Amen? Moment by moment. Nobody that I know really is there, but that's our goal. Amen? We're praying continually. And part of that prayer is checking God. Hey God, Lord, is my heart, is my heart staying close to you? throughout this day be being filled continuously by the spirit of god friend we're talking about god's work in our lives through his spirit do you want his spirit to lead your life then ask him regularly lord would you please fill every part of my life now if you're doing that something's going to happen let's talk about the impact of being filled with the spirit it says in verse 18 be filled be being you you all all y'all be being continually filled with the Spirit. Then it says in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody with, a, with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name, name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now honestly, I wish we could stop right here and study Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6. I'll be honest with you, I don't think what we're about to talk about is all that God meant with being filled with the Spirit. Okay? So I want to encourage you. <clears throat> go back and read Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, and Ephesians 6. Because I really believe those verses are really describing what it means, what it looks like, in very practical ways. To be filled with the Spirit of God. But we don't have time to do all of that, so I want to focus on these verses that follow immediately after this. So certainly, if anything in this passage is reflective of being filled with the Spirit, these will be. First of all, write this down. It says, you have a song in your heart. Did you notice that? Now, you didn't see that one coming, did you? You thought I was going to say, like we did last week, love, joy, peace, patience. You thought I was going to say something like that. I thought I was going to say something like that. But the Bible says... If the Spirit of God is filling your life, you would have a song in your heart. I wouldn't have naturally come up with that, but I'm glad God's Word shows this because it affirms so much of what I've experienced in my life and what I've experienced in many of you as I observe you. When God is really at work in your life, you have a song in your heart. Amen. How many of you wake up in the middle of the night singing to your hearts continually? Like, where did that come from? I'm like, I'm like on a mountaintop singing, kind of. I just need to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, I'm singing. I woke up in the middle of the night last night singing this 
song that I've been hearing. God's been ministering to me through. I woke up singing it like I was in the middle of a concert. I'm like, what's wrong with you? You were asleep just a minute ago. <clears throat> Do you find that you have a song in your heart? What is it talking about? It's talking about joy, really, isn't it? There's a joy. This is just a different way. Isn't this kind of a cool, specific way for God to say it? You have joy in your heart. There's a song in your heart. It's interesting. It says singing. It can be translated to your own self, to yourselves. Or it can be translated to one another. I think both are appropriate. And to God. So I'm singing to me sometimes. I'm singing to you. We're encouraging Colossians 3.16. Talk, did you realize that? How often do I say to you, were you listening to the words of the song? How often do I say that? Why? Because that's not just filler. That's not even just fun. That is content that is expressed in a way that God created. There is something special about music, isn't there? God created music as a way to very lovingly, heart in a heartfelt way, to express some deep desires of our heart. Write that down. There's something about music that means so much to us and expresses the deepest feelings of our heart in a way that nothing else can. Now, as you write that down, I want to tell you, some people make a big point about the distinction in those words. It says psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. To be honest with you, they're not that clearly distinguishable. It looks more like he's just saying, you're going to have a lot of music in your heart. And he's just using a lot of different words for music. Did you know there was about a thousand years in church history where there was no music? Did you know that? You know what we call that? The Dark Ages. Isn't that interesting? And you know what happened? It was about from 500 to 1500. You know what happened in 1500? They found the Bible. And regular people like you and me they gave the Bible to us common people. And there's such a joy in the good news, the gospel, and the life change that God brought. That singing song began to bubble up out of God's people. And we're still living in that. We're kind of living in a day where there's much music. Amen? And by the way, for those of you that are too cool to sing, Zephaniah 3 verse 17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst. A victorious warrior, he will exult over you with joy. Some of your translations say he, he will sing over you with singing. Isn't that an incredible picture of God? It kind of reminds me of Luke 15, where, um, what's that song, Reckless Love? That, that's really where that prodigal love, it's kind of crazy love. God is a little bit overboard with us. He certainly is the great God and King. He is holy. He is awesome. He is mighty and majestic. But He also rejoices over us with singing. My goodness. What, I don't even know what that means. Amen. I don't even know what that means, but it touches me, right? Listen to this, specifically about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Jesus said, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. He's talking to God the Father. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Have you ever thought about Jesus singing a song on the stage? Goodness. Wow, and for those, I think especially us guys, you know, we struggle with the more tender parts of life in general. And certainly some of the tender parts of who God is. 
Aren't you glad Zephaniah said he's a, he's a victorious warrior? He is by no means wimpy. But he is very passionate about us. He loves us greatly. He rejoices over us with singing. That, that's an incredible picture, isn't it? You might say, you know what? I don't know if God's really working in my life. I, I can't preach. I can't teach a Bible study. I don't pray like other people. But somebody said this. One of the first evidences of being filled by the Spirit is having a song in your heart. Wow. That should encourage some of you. The list of I can'ts is long. But do you have joy expressed in a song in your heart? That's more evident sometimes that you're filled by the Spirit than other things. By the way, the same person who said that made that point, made this observation. The word new is used more in relation to singing than to any other part of our salvation. Isn't that interesting? Music is an important part of our lives, isn't it? I mean, kids walk around with their earbuds in all the time. And don't laugh, adults, y'all do too. Amen. And it's good to have some songs that have meant something to us, that have expressed some things that matter to us or at key points in our lives. But we need to continually be asking God to give us fresh expressions of His work in our lives. And, and, I, and I want to be tender, but I do, want to, I do want to kind of speak to maybe some who struggle with that. If you are against new expressions of faith through singing, I want to challenge you. Is there a pride thing going on there? Is there a preference thing? Is there a control thing? Is there an unwillingness to grow? Would you humble yourself before the Lord and ask that? God, yeah, absolutely. There's things that we treasure that have mattered, but we need to be asking God, what's He doing in our life today? Amen? And how are we expressing that through the gift of singing? Then the Lord talks about gratefulness. He says, giving thanks always and for all things. So what does that mean? Praise God, my husband left. Is that what I'm supposed to be like? No. But praise God, even though your husband left, that God is with you. Praise God that if it is possible for your husband to come back, it'll be by the power of God and that you can trust in Him. And praise God if your husband doesn't respond to God, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. We can thank God in all situations, can't we? Friend, listen to me. I'm trying to teach you. Thank you, Lord, ought to be one of the most often repeated phrases in our life. I mean, maybe only before that is, help me, Lord. Amen. And that one's just, that's just because of where I am. Amen. But I actually want to lean more towards, thank you, Lord. If help me is a lot, it's okay to say help me. But if I am saying help me more, I want to, I want to God, where am I missing some blessings that I need to praise you for? All throughout your day, what a sweet thing. Amen. What a sweet thing. Just all throughout your day, thank you, Lord. Thank you for taking care of that problem. Thank you for providing for that need. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for answering that prayer. Thank you for my church family. Thank you for my family. Friends, write this down. There is something very godly and mature about sincere, real thankfulness. If you're a grateful person, that says something about you. It says something very good about you. It is evidence you're filled by the Spirit of God. And by the way, the opposite holds as well. Complaining, that's not a good category. 
Go back and read Numbers chapter 16 as an example. Grumbling and complaining is not a godly. Now listen, don't we all struggle with that? I mean, I had a day last week where I wanted to kick every chair. You know, I wanted to pound my fist on things. I was just like, no good, very bad day, right? But in those moments, I say, Lord, I'm not receiving that. I'm not feeding that. Amen. That's not you filling me right now. So God, I ask you to help me. Amen. Hey, what percent am I? I was, I was low. I was, I was almost out. I was at like 2%, right? So God, help me. I need to get plugged in before I try to make any more phone calls because they're just going to get, my phone's going to die. Amen. The point is not listen. I know you don't want to, I know you want to complain, but it's not very Christian, so don't. That's what some of you think. That's faking, right? That's pretending we don't need that. That's not what God's looking for. What it is, is God, I'm going to be honest, I don't have a very good attitude. But I ask you to help me. I ask you to show me where you're at work in this situation. And I ask you to change that attitude and make me a grateful person. Does that make sense? So don't say, I'm such a jerk because I'm complaining. Just say, I'm nervous because I'm complaining. So God, get me back in the right spot. Then the last thing is submission. The Bible says when the Spirit of God fills our lives, we will have an attitude of the New American Standard saying be, said being subject to one another. It means to submit to one another. It was a military term that meant to arrange yourself under or behind others. <clears throat> and it was kind of a rank thing. It was like, hey, in order for there to be order and not chaos, God has established order. And, and the rest of Ephesians talks about some of those specific orders. But in general, the Bible says we should arrange ourselves in line behind one another. You ever see sometimes two Christians can't get through a door after you? No, no, after you. No, no, after you. Would you please go? Amen. But, but I think their attitude is, their heart is, you know, they're thinking, hey, why don't, why don't you go? And by the way, young people, I think that's a wonderful thing to develop. Parents, teach your kids to open the door for people at, at stores and restaurants. It's, it's teaching, right? I'm not the most important person in the world. And we do this in the fear of Christ. We do it because we love the Lord. We can kindly yield to others and get in a general spot of submission because of the Lord and our respect and love for Him and what He says. Now somebody says, well, but if I do that, how are my needs going to get met? It doesn't mean your needs don't matter. The Bible says put others in front of yourself. So it doesn't mean you never think about what's going on in your life, but don't put yourself in front of others. We should have a general leaning towards, I'm more concerned about your welfare and benefit than I am my own. And the way God does it is, when we humble ourselves, then He lifts us up at the proper time. So it's really in serving others that God meets your needs, right? It's a matter of faith, isn't it? Yielding. I like that word for submission. We're yielding. We're, we're letting others go first. We're glad to see you do well. That, that's a general... When you're filled by the Spirit, I don't need to prove anything, right? I, you, you can't hurt a dead man's feelings. Robbie's dead. The Bible says that Christ lives in me. Jesus is not insecure. He's not wondering, does anybody know who I am? Is anybody paying attention to me? 
Why do I have not, why don't I have the right seat in this room? Jesus isn't doing that. So if Jesus is working through me, I'm not doing that. That shows you're, you're filled with the Spirit of God. When you're trusting God, I can serve, and that doesn't threaten me. In fact, I can do it joyfully because I know God's going to take care of my needs, and I just want to be His servant in your life. Amen? I want to ask us to bow our heads for just a moment. Right now, are you being filled with the Spirit of God? So, yeah, Pastor Robbie, we had a, I had a great quiet time this morning. I got up, I spent some time with the Lord. Well, no, you leaked. Your percentage went way down since then. You need to plug back in. Would you check with the Lord right now? Not last week, not two years ago at youth camp. Right now, am I letting God lead my life? Did we just sing that song? I will let him lead my life. Build my life. Right now, would you say, Lord, are you leading my life? Are you the boss? Or are you a visitor? Maybe more than a visitor, maybe a roommate. But would you elevate him to his rightful position? And don't let the enemy make this control thing like super duper Christian. It's just putting the glove on the way it's supposed to fit. God created your body to be filled by God and to be led by Him. To the extent that you're not, it's not going to work right. If you know right now that there's parts of your life that are not being controlled by God, would you acknowledge that part? God, I know my attitude is not led by the Spirit of God. I'm not a grateful person. I'm a complainer. It takes a lot to admit. Would you admit it right now? God, I pray that you would flood that part of my heart. I pray that you would fill me with your Spirit, God. I wonder what a community like Queensbury and Glens Falls and the North Country, I wonder what it would look like with hundreds of people more often than not seeking to be filled by the Spirit of God. Father, we can't produce that ourselves. But we ask that you would do it more and more. Thank you that we've learned tonight that we can experience that. How to experience that. And Lord, I pray that knowing that would draw us to come to you and ask you to do that. And Lord, I pray if there's somebody in this room, like Alex a few months ago, that maybe he's heard about God, maybe been exposed to God, maybe been to church, but realizes that they need to give their lives to you. They need to accept Jesus as their Savior. They can't be filled with the Spirit continually, controlled by the Spirit because the Spirit doesn't live in them yet. The Spirit of God, I pray that you would knock on the door of their heart. Say, you're the one tonight. You're the one I'm speaking to. I want to forgive you for your sins. I want to lead your life. I want to help you grow. 
Will you receive me right now? Dear friend, would you say yes, Lord? Like Alex said, yes, God. I want you to be my Savior. And I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for my sins and to live in me and with me forever. Thank you, God, that your spirit is working. Help us to receive it. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.